Welcome to the Women in Safety podcast. This is a show that provides a supportive space for women in safety careers. We break down the barriers and provide opportunities for growth. Make sure to hit that subscribe button to be notified of new episodes and join us. Here's your Women in Safety podcast host, Tamara Paris. Thank you for joining me on the Women in Health and Safety podcast. And we'll start off with kind of learning a bit about who you are for our audience who is listening. So Alexandra, why don't you kick that off? Um, thank you for having us, Tamara. And my name is Alexandra Duke. I'm a co-founder and chief marketing uh, officer at Big Global Safety. <clears throat> what we do, we, um, we take care of digitization of safety spaces in, uh, in manufacturing, production, warehouses area, and many more. So we are strongly connected with the, with the safety topic. We are facing all the time uh, with safety officers, with safety professionals, but also with facility managers. So um, I have to say that I got interested in the safety topic um, because of the technology. So this is how, how I became the, the part of Big Global Safety. And Tamara, why don't you share a little bit with the audience about who you are and where you come from? Yeah, sure. My name is Tamara Misevich Healy, and I am the founder of an organization called My EHS Alliance. Um, I actually got started in health and safety right after school. I uh, went and got my master's of public health with a focus in environmental health. So I always kind of had an interest in this area in human health and how our environment impacts that. Um, so after being in the health and safety field for, you know, eight years, I decided to branch off onto my own and create a company that was really in alignment with how I saw the future of safety going. Um, so kind of our signature product and service is actually a culture-based safety management system. That's really about um, moving kind of the idea of safety forward. Um, and I'm sure, you know, we'll kind of get into that more, but just about taking health and safety from, you know, one or two people responsibility to empowering everybody to kind of have more control, more understanding um, of their health and safety in the workplace. So, yeah, so I look forward to kind of having these conversations of what the future of health and safety looks like. I like what you're saying about um, moving the idea of safety forward um, from just one person or a couple of people viewing themselves as responsible for it or other people viewing them as responsible for it to empowering the collective to be owning safety. And it's, it's, it's a bizarre thing, in fact, because when we go to school for occupational health and safety, we are educated that safety is a shared responsibility. It is not one person's responsibility. We are also educated that the employer is responsible for, for setting up the practices, policies, and um, programs in order to cultivate a safe and healthy work environment. And, and uh, to add to that, we're also taught that it's about elimination and mitigation of risks and hazards, as opposed to, you know, blaming somebody for an unsafe act or putting PPE on people to kind of bubble wrap them for protection. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to, to begin our conversation a little bit about finding out from each of you, 
where was safety when you first entered the field? So how was safety being done? And then we'll move into comparison to where it is today. So which one of you wanted to kind of take a stab at that first? Um, I could take um, a stab at that. So like I said, I've kind of been fed right into health and safety right out of my education. Um, and I'd say 10 years ago, things were actually quite different. Um, so it's really great to see that safety is kind of having this um, opening to innovation and advancements right now. So when I first entered the field, um, there was very little diversity in our field, which I'd say is still the case, but definitely getting better. Um, but as you know, a young female, I definitely felt uh, a little outside. Um, I remember there was no female friendly PPE and I had even asked some of the sites I was working at if it would be possible to get smaller gloves. And they said, no, you know, we buy in bulk and we're not gonna buy bulk for just one person. Um, so there were a lot of things that weren't really friendly to a female worker. Um, but now, well, I'll get into, I guess now in a moment, but so yeah, PPE, there weren't many options for females. Um, but even like the tools and the works, uh, stations, there wasn't much ergonomic friendly equipment for adjustability for different heights and different considerations. Um, there weren't really even special considerations for vulnerable populations. So when a woman may be pregnant, uh, a lot of times even the data, the research, they didn't have much data and research on that at the time. Um, and workplaces themselves definitely weren't really well-read and versed on what special uh, controls those populations needed. And then like mental health, mental health was definitely not much of a consideration um, in the health and safety space 10 years ago. And, you know, we're seeing that change. Pen and paper was how everything was done at that time. Um, and like I kind of already mentioned, safety was really considered the job task of a couple of individuals. Some facilities that I consulted with, um, it was the responsibility, like a side responsibility of a facilities manager or security. Um, so all of this, I definitely see changing and I've seen change over the past 10 years. Um, I definitely don't think we're in a great place with any of it, but we're getting there. Um, like I said, there's a lot more diversity. We're seeing a lot more females enter the space. Um, there's a lot more PPE and there's really great companies started by women to address this. And I think some of this innovation is coming out of just maybe social media, just having more ways to communicate the needs um, to each other so that the actual businesses and innovators are hearing that there is these missing um, areas in health and safety that they can get involved in. So yeah, we're seeing a lot of great female-friendly PPE companies coming out, um, tons of ergonomic equipment coming out. Um, vulnerable populations are definitely getting more of a look at. And mental health, which is really exciting. Um, I, I think we've, we can all say how important and critical that is and how you know the workplace may be a great opportunity for us to address that, to us to start recognizing that and trying to help those individuals, um, you know, an own little community that can support each other. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Tam, the, Tamra. Uh, and what you wanted to just say about the pen and paper. 
I yeah. really aligned uh, with this message because, to be honest, when we look at the whole world, how it's it's going with the digitization, we have Industry 4.0 revolution, we have uh, automated production lines, everything is going automatic, and then we look at the safety processes and the the view of this, it's still very manual. Um, safety officers, mm. they still use pen and papers. Sometimes they do, they use tablets. We do have um, incident management softwares. However, still the input to the uh, incident management software is manual. So we do not have much automatic or digitization around the safety. So I think this is, it is a, safety journey let's say that um that we have to join this whole revolution to the uh, to digitalize the whole safety processes because it is needed we have we have bigger facilities the production is just skyrocket so i think this should be the next step really for the safety processes to to start using what is now available on the markets and maybe um look at the markets a little bit wider right uh, try to use a bit of the technology from there try to use the other one just take a look out there see what's what's in there what can fit into your own facility and what works for you you know it's i've also noticed that over the decades that safety is very hesitant in order to progress they they do tend to like to hold on to what is comfortable and known, especially the pen and paper in Excel. You know, I, I recall very clearly continuously having to redo training because somebody somewhere got it in their head they were gonna clean out the office. And for whatever reason, they believed that that included throwing out all the um, sign-off sheets for everybody's training, not even realizing that now you know with a staff of 150 plus that means that you're manually going to have to retrain everybody again mm -hmm. and depending on what kind of system you have that may mean signing off on pen and paper again right because if leadership believes that pen and paper is fine they're not going to move forward and so that really you know makes me kind of think about like what are the barriers here that are are hindering people from moving forward why do you think that they want to keep on these tools that were they're archaic now really if you yeah, stop yeah. and think about it like none of your generation is is using excel every day or pen and paper yeah. every day i consistently see you using apps so what are your thoughts as a younger generation looking at this I think you already mentioned one uh, one of the reasons because it is sometimes the mindset of the safety people and <clears throat> right now the the whole um, uh, safety area it is going more um, let's say diverse and I'm not talking only about the female uh, percentage in there or uh, races or the uh, or where you're coming from I'm talking also about the background right so we do need people with different backgrounds let's say from engineering perspective but also from the human factor this is also something very crucial that should be considered in the in the industry so I think one of the <clears throat> challenges we are facing it's the mindset that they have been doing um, the process this way for years with the pen and paper maybe with the tablet and they're not really um they don't really want to step 
up and maybe improve those processes, try out the new things. They're a little bit maybe afraid of those or maybe think that um, they are not going to work as, uh, as good as they think so. Um, there are, uh, unfortunately, those challenges, but um, for example, from our perspective, from the big global safety perspective, we're trying to face them in the terms that, hey, try out that two-week uh, free trial, right? Just try it out, see if it's working for you or not. It doesn't cost you anything, but it can really help you. So, so I think this is very important in, uh, in changing the, mi uh, the mindset of the people to just try out and then first you try and then say if you like it or not. Do you think it maybe goes back to what um, Tamara was saying about the fact that, you know, right historically, safety has been more or less controlled by a siloed group of people spitting out what they believe others should be doing. However, if you transfer from pen and paper or an Excel sheet that is typically a one person tool shared amongst a few people, and you go into an app, which can be on everybody's mobile phone, and now you're really releasing control, right? You're moving forward to that, getting the collective insight. And when you do that, maybe the collective isn't going to agree with the way that you've been doing things for the last 20, 30 years. And do you think that might be a portion of it, not wanting to lose up that, um, that position of privilege? Because it is a position of privilege, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I could speak on this a little bit. Um, so I definitely think that could be a small part of it. Um, some people I think do struggle with having their job kind of open and shown. Um, I think it also is that, especially health and safety professionals, right? We constantly look at risk and we're constantly assessing risk and we wanna keep risk as low as possible. And I think for some reason, a lot of health and safety professionals look at technology as a high risk. Um, and I think they look at it that way just because it's new, it's unknown. Um, are they going to spend a ton of money and then it flop? And I think they just have this fear of, you know, they made a bad call and it wasted money. And um, I think they have a hard time overcoming that risk that they perceive. Um, but like Alexandra said, the great thing about a lot of this tech is, you know, talk to them. A lot of times they give these free trials and you can test it out, you know, lower that risk that you're feeling and those uncomfortable feelings because change is uncomfortable. Um, you know, even though, uh, you know, I grew up with computers and apps. Yeah, every time I get a new app that I'm gonna utilize for work, I, there's a learning curve, you know, and you're uncomfortable. But the great thing is you can trial it. You can work with these professionals who help steer you and integrate it. And there's so many tools out there now that can assist with that. I still think that there's a psychological barrier though. You know, I'm gonna kind of disagree with you on this one. I think that there is quite a piece of wanting to, to maintain that control because yeah, yeah. right now, you know, they do their, their incident reports, they, they do their audits and everything and it's them going around and doing it um, on a pen and paper. 
Whereas if I am giving the capability of others to be doing it on an app, you know, now I'm trusting other people to evaluate risks. And I've often heard people say, well, I don't think that they'd be able to assess the risks. And I scratch my head at that because if, if a person is, is competent to do their job, we've hired them to do their job because they're, they're competent. And then sometimes they have special certification and training to do it. Then the individual should be also able to assess what are the risks and hazards within their own um, working tasks, right? One would hope. As whereas somebody who is health and safety who's never done that job, there's going to be a higher probability that if I've never done the job, there's going to be things I'm, that aren't even on my radar that I should be thinking about, especially if I'm, if I'm watching, observing somebody who is very good at their job and has calculated risk and is already mitigated or um, eliminated certain risks so that when I'm observing, I may not even notice those. And mm -hmm. then I could be leaving that out of when I'm trying to write something up. I mean, when I was doing work with individuals, when I was shadowing people, I, I would even ask to, to be allowed to do some things and have them explain to me, what do I need to be considering? What do I need to be thinking about? And the stuff that came out of people was gold, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And, yeah. and so when, when we were writing the procedures together and, and going over it and, and asking them, what have I left out here? That's really critical information. A lot of the times they would come back with quite a few things saying, oh, wow, you know, this and this needs to be, to be done up front. I know you didn't see me do that, but that's because I did that at eight o'clock in the morning before you even arrived. Right. And it's like, oh, okay. So there's a piece of that that was done in a preliminary portion of the, yeah, that's of, of true. the work. Right. So I, I'm curious exactly. It's, it's been a long time to be candid with you. Tech is not new. Right. Yeah. yeah. But um, <clears throat> that's true. But I also think that. Um, Another portion or another factor is that um, we have some people that have been in the industry or in the safety area for, they say, 20, 30 years. And some of them, they are super open-minded. They are really out there to seek for new technologies or just new ideas. Uh, they're really open to what's new in this whole world. But we have also the portion of people that they like the old way of doing. And, you know, it's been working good. So why should we change that? And I think that... that the idea is that, you know, better is not enemy of good. And another thing is that sometimes, um, especially, let's say, with this, with this more professional generation, if I can call it this way, that works much longer, is that we have a learning curve, of course, but sometimes we also have a de-learning curve, which means that if some people have been doing for years the same way and suddenly they have to jump to the new way, it might be harder for them than to those who are just jumping into the safety area. So I do agree with you, Tamara, but I also think that it really depends on the mindset and on the, the psychological factor that you've mentioned before. No, I like you know the conversation that everybody brings because these are multifaceted you know, problems. And that's what's really great about getting together with different people um, and bringing different expertise. Um, I like what you said about 
you know, how some people, they might feel uneasy giving up that control. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I agree that there's so much power in including every single employee, because like you said, you know, as a health and safety professional, I will never know your operation better than you, you know? So for me to come in and say, Hey, you know, this is the best thing, or, you know, we should do this. It's just unrealistic. You are the expert in your job and your workstation. And it's through actually working together that we could come up with the best solution. I've seen people implement controls that completely destroyed the operation because it wasn't practical and they didn't include the actual end user. Um, and that's why collaboration is so critical. And I think including the employees on the floor in the health and safety practice is just going to optimize your health and safety because if something goes wrong, who is the first person that's going to notice? The people right there. Um, by the time a health and safety professional gets around to it, it could be months um, if they even pick up on it. So involving the worker is critical to having an excellent health and safety culture. Now, you might still need your health and safety professionals to do a higher level assessment and evaluation, you know, and comparing it to the standards and research that's out there on how to optimally control it. But for hazard identification and recognition, yeah, we should be educating and empower every single person to play a role in that. Absolutely. I wanted to uh, change gears a little bit and understand a little bit from your own um, professional experiences. You know, what kind of challenges did you guys face when you first came into the health and safety field? Of course. Um, so, for example, from my perspective, it is the safety male dominated, right? Especially when we talk some bigger companies, always the safety or like almost always the safety officer is a male. So um, mm -hmm. as a female, sometimes it's not easy. But um, from my perspective, what's always working is that um, we have to be very professional. So it is always harder for women uh, in, in the business environment, because when a man makes a mistake, um, oh yeah, everyone makes a mistake. But when we have a female, especially young female who is new to the, uh, to the environment, for example, me, I'm not from the safety background. I'm from the marketing background. However, I am in the safety industry, right? So yeah. for me, it was very new. I had to learn everything from the beginning, um, listen to them, what they have to offer, and also other way around. So for me, it was very important to always be professional, uh, ask the right questions. I also took a lot of time to prefer, prepare before and um, in order to deliver the best possible outcome and to show myself from the very professional way. So it's unfortunately, that's the reality. Yes, we may have it in many cases harder, but if I can, I can really uh, towards my message to, to female is that we can do it. Um, it takes hard work, but it is doable. And even when you make a mistake, everyone makes a mistake. So you can still do it and, and the next time just make it better. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. You have to keep on that professional track, no matter what type of things come back, either be it through an email or verbal. You know, yeah. I, I've, I've been called a ditz, like, oh, well, you know, never mind. She's, a, she's just a ditz, you know, mm -hmm. which is totally unprofessional just because you disagree with something that I said, you yep. know, or um, I've had also an incident where a, an email came to my attention because I was trying to bring up something 
and you know the email the tone was like oh yeah well i i just came by while i was going somewhere else because i'm sure it's it's nothing to be um concerned about always yep. getting a knickers in a twist type yeah, of thing yeah. right where if if they were talking to a male colleague they wouldn't be talking like this they wouldn't say the the male colleague has his knickers in a twist or panties in a twist actually it's panties in a twist which is even sexual yeah. in, in the induendo right that mm -hmm. sometimes somehow because i wear panties it affects my capability to think as a professional and so that's some of the challenges that i went through like i remember one time i was going for a job interview with my corporate health and safety manager and for some reason he thought that it was an opportunity to see if we could go on a date i'm pretty mm -hmm. sure he wouldn't do that with a male colleague right going to a meeting yeah. And yeah, so yeah. just for disclosure, that's some of the, the challenges that I've had to navigate. What about you, Tamara? Yeah, so, I mean, I think almost all women can relate to things like that, um, especially, you know, being in my 30s, but being in the health and safety field in my 20s, um, anytime I had to address workers, it was always like, oh, honey, um, sweetie, what do you need? And uh, I used to joke a lot because I actually, I have a big interest in ventilation and um, I was working in a facility and had to go to the ventilation facilities manager. And I was raising a concern about the ventilation in a space. And he's just like, you see this metal box on the ceiling? That is what we call an intake. That takes the air up into it. And I'm like, uh, yeah, and then I just kind of, you know, blew out the whole problem and like went into details and like, I know, I, I know what an intake is and, um, but sometimes, yeah, especially as a young female, um, a lot of these older guys that have been there a long time, they want to treat you like their daughter, like, you know, you're pretty, um, I've been told, you know, it's nice to have eye candy around here, um, lots of different things, borderline, you know, okay, not okay, but um, I think especially now that I've kind of branched out of being a worker and trying to actually start my own thing, um, I could definitely feel myself being stronger than ever. And I think you have to be. So I kind of always let things go a bit when I worked at workplaces because I didn't want to cause any problems, you know, and I didn't want to create a toxic environment or so I just kind of like lowered my voice but you know as a business person now um people will walk all over you um so you know I just try to use my voice always be professional as Alexandra said um be the bigger person and honestly I've told several people you know I don't want you to call me beautiful uh you know like straight up I think kind of now as a mom and as a businesswoman, I have no time to try to make others feel comfortable while they make me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, that's actually awesome what you just said. And, um, and I really agree with you. And I think you're not the only one who faced those challenges. And yeah, one, uh, one actually thing that came to my mind is also that um, as, as a female founder, um, I also took part in the expos. And you know how it is in expos you talk you you hand in your business cards you hand in some flyers or some promotional materials blah, blah, blah. and when i was doing that 
men also approached me that, hey, here is my business card, give it to your boss. You know, I want him to call me and um, yeah, I'm my own boss. So, you know, that's also, it doesn't matter sometimes if you are still professional, if you stay in professional, if you, if you really kill them with kindness, sometimes they will always have their own mindset uh, towards you. And, and sometimes what you have to say is to speak up, hey, um, I'm the boss, I will be calling you or just uh, smile and say, okay, just depending on the situation, right? So we do have to face it a bit differently, but um, yeah, it's hard, but we can, we can definitely do that. And I would push back about having to just smile and take it because we've done that historically. Mm-hmm. And all it's gotten us to be quite candid with you is smacks on the butt and individuals thinking that it's appropriate to, to ask us out on a date. It is not appropriate that if you're at a conference or something that you give somebody a business card and say, oh, call me for drinks, honey, you know, with this kind of little wink. It's like that. That's really creepy, gross to be quite candid with you. Like and I think one of the things that we do have male allies. And so I think one of the things that we as women could be asking the male allies is to speak up if you Mm -hmm. hear somebody who is talking like that let the person know that hey you know what that's not okay you you don't don't treat uh female colleagues in that manner i think as well as other women if we hear it to also address the woman by her name right oh i believe your her name is you know tamara right as as opposed to silently letting that honey or sweetheart or darling just kind of sit there because it's disrespect Mm -hmm. it is disrespect and I, and I think that's one of the, the, the top insights that I'd like to share with our audience is that I think we, it's time that we, we share that being disrespectful to others, no matter who they are, is inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And like they talk about the fact like, well, there's more women in health and safety, right? Maybe there's yeah, more yeah. women, but are, are the people who are here being treated with true respect? Because do they actually have influence? Because if somebody is giving you a business card and saying, please give it to your boss when you are the boss, in my eyes, that's not being respectful of a woman in the profession. Because you still think that you must have a male Mm -hmm. leader, right? And so if we are really in that place of being respectful, you wouldn't assume that, that a female has a male boss. What are your thoughts on that? Am I just being out there? Yeah, uh, I, I definitely agree with you. And I know you addressed uh, what I said before, that sometimes you have to just um, keep it quiet and smile. And I do see your point of view and why you're saying that. But um, this is also my own opinion, right? Uh, maybe from my background, from my experience, but it really, there is no one, let's say, golden way that you should handle every situation this way. And I do believe that we should always speak up when it's needed and uh, when we when we are also hurt. But in some situations, it doesn't matter what you say, they will always see you in this kind of way. So from also um, one, one thing is the personal, right? So yes, we are female. Yes, it is a bit more, um, let's say, struggling for us than, than for male out there. But sometimes you can just get more by smiling and sometimes you can get more by speaking up and you have to know and decide what which way to use and when 
and this is actually what I meant because because I face those challenges when whenever I say something or when I really spoke up, it did not uh, make a difference or it even harmed my business. So so I also had one one story with different culture where I was mailing a lot and they thought I'm Alexander, not Alexandra. And actually that was the main reason why they wanted to meet with me because they thought I'm a May. So when I came to the meeting, it was a huge, let's say disappointment for, disappointment for them, but well, I got my meeting, right? So so sometimes you really have to um, have to choose uh, what kind of approach you will, uh, you will uh, apply for the spe special situations. Yeah, I think it also has to do where you are in your life journey as well. You know, I, I'm a more mature woman and it's kind of like what you said, Tamara. It's like, I'm at the point now where, you know what? I just don't have time for your silliness. Mm -hmm. I just don't. And and it might also be because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my fifties where I don't care anymore either. Like I'll mm -hmm. turn around and, and sometimes just say, oh, please. Like, you know, if, if you can't be respectful for, with me, then don't bother with me. So I do think that as you, you go through life and you do it, different experiences, you just finally in, in that course of that journey and that path, just kind of get to a point where you're like, you know what? I really don't care anymore. If my hair is frizzy, I'm not wearing lipstick and you don't like it. That's your problem. And I was meeting with um, some friends, some, some other women the other night and, and we've all kind of finally gotten to this place. So, you know, but on the other side, I totally understand because when I was a younger woman, I often put up with a lot of garbage and just suck it up or smile and be quiet and stuff. Cause I was in a different career path, different part of my journey of wanting to get ahead. Uh, Tamara, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, I wish I could tell my younger self, um, you know, stand ground, stand up for yourself a bit more, but you know, I think there are a lot of things at play that we don't even fully understand of, you know, when you are younger, you do care more about your social presence and you are trying to appease people and be liked. And there is something that when you get older, you kind of, you do, you kind of grow out of that. And, you know, maybe it's because you're starting your own family. So you have much bigger things to worry about, but yeah, I mean, you know, especially in my real young days of like, working in restaurants and, um, you know, bingo halls or different places. Um, I mean, yeah, I definitely took and accepted a lot and smiled and just wanted to make everybody else feel good and comfortable. Um, and I took that on instead. Um, but yeah, you kind of find your footing and, you know, I would definitely recommend to any woman, you know, you can stand up for yourself without being rude. Um, and you're allowed to do that. And, you know, you should do that. If you feel offended, you should let them professionally know that, you know, I don't appreciate you calling me that or speaking to me in this way, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and we would be proud of you. <laughs> and, and it's an uncomfortable conversation. However, one thing is that you don't do it publicly. Mm -hmm. It's not something that you sit there in a meeting and lambaste somebody back at a meeting. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, you pick your battles, you pick your timing, right? So, so yeah, yeah. 
you may smile at the meeting and say, okay, well, you know, whatever, we're going to let that pass here. But then you quickly follow it up later with, hey, can, can we have a chat? Yeah. You know, I just wanted to, to connect with you and let you know that during the meeting, when you, when, when this was said, I felt this way and mm. I don't appreciate it, blah, 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 you know, and use eye language and make sure you're not being defensive is yeah, a very yeah. critical piece though, too, right? You have to mm -hmm. own. Yep. And honestly, um, sometimes people don't mean it disrespectfully yeah. at all. You know, like when I, I was living in the South for a while, everyone calls you hon, sweetie. And like, that didn't bother me at all. You know, it's kind of like how they use it and how, what other actions they're doing with it. So like you said, having, taking that time aside and just having those conversations, um, they may not even realize, and it may not have, they may not have wanted to offend you and they may feel mortified that they did. So, you know, you're absolutely correct that like, you know, don't get defensive, but just having those conversations and just like using your voice and just seeing like where they're at. And that's how you solve any problem, right? We can't solve any problem unless you kind of discuss it and go through it. So yeah, I also want to add one thing to that. You know, it's it's not hard to be taken as a hard woman. So, um, and in many cases, that's actually what applies, you know, when when uh, when men are think that we are quite desperate or can be sometimes tough or defensive. So it doesn't take much sometimes to be seen as such a woman. Yeah, absolutely. I think another piece of it, though, is what I've learned along my journey is choosing who you want to do business with. You know, in the in the last year, I have intentionally chosen to do business with certain mindsets, people who think a certain way, and it has made life so much easier. And it has made life so much easier to start identifying those that you don't want to do business with and, and feeling good about letting them go, knowing that that's not a healthy relationship. That's not a healthy interaction and just saying thank you, but no thank you. And I think that's one of the things that has changed historically is that now we're at a place in, in, in our modern society where we can say, no, you know what? That's not the right kind of culture for me. You don't have my values and beliefs. I'm going to go work with people who are in line with my own values and beliefs. And 20 years ago, that wasn't even a discussion that you would have with yourself right? This whole, who do I want to be? And how do I want other people to see me? Mm -hmm. We weren't asking ourselves questions like that. And we've really changed. So I think that's one of my recommendations for, for our listeners is being true to your own value system. And that mm -hmm. will make it a lot easier in navigating the, the partnerships that you have. Because if you're, in, if you're all in line with the same beliefs and value system, then you're going to be treating people each other respectfully. What recommendations do you guys have? Yeah, Tamara, go for it. Okay. Uh, so, you know, so many recommendations, but uh, the ones that we'll bring to the table today is, um, you know, I guess one of my biggest recommendations is falls along the line of collaboration. Mm -hmm. um, as a health and safety professional, don't take the weight of the world on. 
um, collaborate with other departments in your organization, um, collaborate with the workers in your organization, collaborate with governing and standard bodies, um, and collaborate with businesses. Uh, I, I used to manage interns at one facility I worked at, and they were so scared to call companies to inquire about like a question. So if they needed to order different gloves, um, they would research for hours on the internet and try to come up with the best solution. And I'd say, well, you know, did you, did you call Granger? Did you call the company? Um, no, no. I'm like, well, they are the experts uh, in that product. Why not give them a call? Have this conversation, you know, don't bring the weight of you being the expert on this on yourself, you know, call, have a communication, collaboration. Um, you know, and I really tried to give that recommendation to all of our interns. You're not going to know everything in this field. It includes, I mean, health and safety includes so much, right? Biologicals, chemicals, physical hazards, you know, psychosocial. I mean, it's endless. You cannot be an expert in everything. So collaborate, take that weight off of you that you even expect yourself to know everything. Call the companies who do um, specialize in those things and get their feedback and input and recommendation. So just collaboration. From me would be um, maybe two advice or um, one would be towards uh, females. So don't be afraid to, to go on your own. Don't be afraid being your own boss. And if you have an idea that you feel it's really great, if you've done a market research and you see that your idea or your skills is really something that it can help people out there. Uh, there can be really a huge demand towards this. Go for it 100%. I know sometimes it's easy to say, but it's not so easy to do it. But um, spend a bit more time towards that and really go for the idea. Don't be afraid. Everything will be fine. Um, towards safety professionals, um, guys, future is out there. It's actually coming and the future is starting now. So I really do, I would like to see those safety professionals going out a little bit more towards the technology because everything is new technology, right? As we mentioned before, we have this digitization industry. It is happening right now. Artificial intelligence, the, the automatics, robotics, it's everywhere. And the time for safety will come as well. Although you're ready for that, uh, order you ready or not so it's better to be ready right now and just take try out what's on the market go for the free trials from some companies call them what tamara just mentioned just call them get out there see what's there see what's working for you and choose and don't be afraid well thank you very much this has been a great conversation I do appreciate you joining us for this episode of Women in Safety. Thank you. Well, thank you for having us. <laughs> thank you very much.